Welcome to another episode of Be Here Now. I am your host, Bridget Mitchell. On today's episode, I got to sit down with my long-lost sister, Bridget, aka Brigidy on Instagram. That's spelled B-R-I-G-G-I-D-Y, and I'm going to let her pronounce her name correctly because it's Norwegian and I do not want to butcher it. (laughs) But when I started my podcast, I knew I wanted to talk with people who inspire me as well as those closest to me so I can have these conversations as sort of like a time capsule of memories. Bridget has supported my visions and dreams from the jump. I remember coming to Austin in 2018 um, to shoot a mini festival going on here and B had a clothing tent set up um, and her rave brand name is Blazed and Confused if you want to check that out. And I remember her telling I remember telling her how unhappy I was at school and how I was struggling with food and I wanted to step out of my creative comfort zone and shoot music festivals. And little did I know that that door would open for me later that year. She has always been rooting me on from the sidelines, and I'm forever grateful for our friendship. So a little bit about this gem and why I wanted to have her on. Bridget was born in Norway and lived all over the world before coming to the States as a teen, so she has some great insight on that experience and what she learned along the way. We discuss what a privilege it is to live in America compared to many other countries in the world, while acknowledging and empathizing with the hardships many people face here to the best of our ability, of course. Bridget is a firecracker of happiness, and during this conversation, we dive deep into how she pulled herself out of some dark times to get where she is now. Not only is Bridget a boss-ass businesswoman, but she is a creator, instructor, lover, and one hell of a good friend. I hope you enjoy getting vulnerable with Bridget and I on this episode. This is Be Here Now. I'm so excited for this recording. I am with one of my very, very good friends. Uh, I like to say two Bs are better than one. She is also a Bridget. (laughs) We are two Bridgets. Um, But, oh my God, yeah, this is a friendship that I cherish dearly. Even if we go weeks without talking, we always reconnect right back where we left off. And uh, I just love this woman so much. Uh, do you want to go ahead and I do (laughs) I just needed to give give you your limelight let her shine a little bit she goes we're two bees I'm like we're two bees in a pod it's so cute (laughs) yeah no I feel the exact same way I'm super happy that you and I have this type of friendship where you don't need to check in every single week or every single day to you know make sure that the other person is doing fine we can check back in maybe a month from now and we can pick up exactly where we left off yes yeah I love that type yeah. of friendship. I love it too I love it too I'll hit you up when this goes live and then uh I'll hear from you <laughs> no I'm just kidding oh man um I wanted to have Bridget on here because we are very similar she's a little bit older than I am but um we always just seem to align everywhere we're every every path that what am I trying to say (laughs) we our paths seem to cross Mm -hmm. often Mm -hmm. and I love that um but I want you to introduce yourself in whichever way feels comfortable for you absolutely so tell us a little bit about yourself (laughs) okay um well my let me see 
like she said, my name is Bridget, but if you say it with the correct pronunciation, it would be Brigitte, because I am actually from Norway. Um, and I, let me see, I moved to Texas a decade ago, actually. I have my decade-long anniversary of being in Texas. 2021? Yeah, no, oh. uh, yeah, 2021. I moved here in 2011. Oh, wow. February, like, 3rd, 4th, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been a, yeah, <laughs> it's been a time. Yeah. And this is, I feel like this is where I came up. This is where I have my personality, um, or where I really developed. Uh, but before that, I kind of traveled around the world and had a really wonderful, crazy, different upbringing mm-hmm. than most people did. I know you can relate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I guess we I'll come, just start there. Yeah, we, come, we were both immigrants, uh, immigrant families. That's something I definitely wanted to talk about. Um, if you look at Bridget and I, I don't know. I get some people say like I look foreign. I don't know if you ever yes, have people say you uh, look foreign. Yes. No, it's it's not even that. They go, you look exotic. I'm exotic, like, what type yes. of exotic are you talking oh about? God. And they're yeah. like, they, you just there's something about you. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm really tall. Yep. <laughs> I am blonde. I guess yep. I'm a very Scandinavian stereotype. Uh-huh. I guess that's exotic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people are like, yeah, you're just blonde hair, blue eyes, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I am that. But, uh, but did you know that there's only a small percentage of the world? <laughs> that That's so funny. But yeah, being an immigrant and coming from like an immigrant family and being raised in that kind of household. Let's start there. I want to hear oh, yeah. a little bit about that, because yeah. although I am I am an immigrant, uh, <laughs> we come from different countries. Yes. <laughs> so I'd love do. to hear about Norway and your family. Hell yeah. So. I guess I kind of have an unconventional story because I didn't necessarily come straight from Norway to the States. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of had a life somewhat similar to a military kid or a military family that moves around every two, three years or sometimes every year. And so I, although I was born in Norway, I spent a lot of my upbringing moving around. So mm-hmm. I spent a good portion of my life in Denmark spent five and a half years there um, and spent about a year, year and a half in Norway in between that and then moving to Dubai mm-hmm. for the first time. And this was in the early 2000s. Um, so that was my first real experience being transplanted into a completely different culture, different everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that really as a child will just, I mean, you're a sponge, you'll soak up everything, all the lessons you learn, you become really malleable. You, you just adapt. To mm-hmm. your surroundings, so that was that was a wonderful experience. Um, I also spent some time living in China, and then again back in the Middle East before I came to the States in 2011, like I had mentioned. Um, so as you can tell, there was a lot of moving, and in between there, I was back in Norway, and I was living with my dad without my mom for a while while I was in China. There was a lot of change constantly there was never anything that remained stable yeah <laughs> it was it was chaos but it was wonderful yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I love that I think that a lot of that is ingrained in my personality now like I'm constantly seeking change and growth and shedding old so that I can step into new because that's what I was used to growing up mm-hmm. um, almost this chance to reinvent yourself into your highest self here your next best self yeah every time you step into that or through that door yeah oh so good but you're also so grounded 
I mean, and you practice shuffling, which is the, the <laughs> most grounding form of dance. I think you're literally stomping yes. your feet onto the ground. Yes, um, I do. Oh, man. I Okay, so your family, I last year, well, maybe a couple years ago, we really got into talking about our family dynamics and the, some of the struggles that we face with our family. And um, it's hard being from, it's hard being raised by people who aren't, who weren't born and raised in America because our views are way different to how they had it. Yes. What were some of the struggles that you found that you faced with parents that were not American trying to raise a girl or have a girl in American society? Hmm. Uh, if you can think of anything yeah. off the top of your head. Well, I remember coming from the Middle East, moving to the States. I was coming from a very different type of living situation. I was going to a private school um, in um, a Muslim country where things like alcohol were banned and illegal. So I wasn't necessarily, I, <laughs> I wasn't necessarily ever exposed to like, house parties and those types of normal I don't know teenage things. teenage things <laughs> yeah that you get to experience yeah. in life so when I did move to the states I was 16 I did end up getting my license right away which was really cool is that first sense of freedom I had because prior to that I wasn't even really allowed outside the house mm -hmm. to go anywhere alone without my parents so it was a huge change um and then I also started going to a public American school, which for me was the ideal like American dream. I wanted mm -hmm. to experience prom and homecoming and all the things I had seen on TV as I grew up and just uh, fantasized about this American life. <laughs> you know, everyone, I mean, I can't, I can't say everyone does, but a lot of people who live abroad do, believe mm -hmm. it or not. They just, America is a dream and it's... Mm -hmm. It's painted in so many different pictures, but until you get there, you don't get to experience America as it is, you know, because it's different for everybody's situation. And so when I stepped into it, I was like, yeah, I get to experience this fantasy I've had. And I did. I It just, it was definitely different. I felt when I at least came to school here in the States, I... I didn't make friends with Americans very easily. Mm -hmm. um, I felt kind of like an outsider in that sense because they had all these preconceived notions about me. They thought I didn't speak English. I was a bitch. Mm -hmm. I was all these things. Yeah. <laughs> and so my transition was definitely a little, it wasn't rough, but it was definitely different. Um, I started focusing a lot on my academics and really decided, you know, <sighs> I've been moving around, following my parents' footsteps, doing whatever it is they needed or wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm finally at this point where I can decide what I want to do in my life and how I want that to look. And I knew that I wanted to live a specific lifestyle that kind of mimicked what I had experienced, where I could travel, I could do all these things, I could have this freedom because I had just gotten the sense of, oh, I can drive a car, I can go mm -hmm. do these regular teenage things that I've never been able to do, and this is so exciting, I want to do more of it, I want to travel further, all these things. Um, but I definitely struggled with my mom still, and mostly my mom, because my dad was always more relaxed, but she was super overprotective and has been my whole life because she cared for me and mm -hmm. that's normal but yeah. her care was a 
it was like a worrying care. It was always like, ah, oh, don't get in trouble. Like, well, we were in the Middle East, it could be, oh, you get deported. Or if we were at school doing things, you could be expelled because you're a, a private school. Like, things like that. Mm-hmm. So there was always this, like, pressure of being held above me to be a certain way, act a certain way, look a certain way, and fit the mold. Even though I'm adapting, I'm fitting the mold of whatever culture I'm, I'm there mm-hmm. mingling with. And so I feel like my parents were constantly trying to groom groom me for whatever was to come next in life and then (laughs) when I came to America I was like okay well now now that I kind of understand like what life could look like I'm now left out on my own and it's I mean that's everybody every kid's life kind of goes through that transition where you're like okay well now I'm an adult but it definitely has been a a very different I guess it's been different for me because I <clears throat> I don't really have a lot of family around. Mm-hmm. I don't have roots here. I don't have anyone guiding me in any sort of direction. I really do feel like the world is my oyster. And it is because of my parents that that's happened. But it also gives me the sense of like, I could do anything. Wait, I want to do it all. Oh, hold on. I can't do it all. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I need to focus on something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with my life right now. My parents have always been super open minded and encouraging of whatever I wanted to do, but have always cared so much about my success and my safety and making sure that I I'm okay. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. I had I had a different upbringing. Definitely. Yeah. So how do you feel about people our age who complain about living in America? Because this is something that especially last year and throughout um President T's uh, uh, term. Um, <laughs> President T. Yeah, I, yeah. I um, it was really hard for me to watch people hate on our country mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, I've had many talks with my parents about this. For a lot of people, like you mentioned, they see America and it's like the end all be all of freedom. Mm-hmm. And it really is Mm -hmm. like until you Mm -hmm. get out of the USA Mm -hmm. and you really go to countries that are have it way worse than we do. Mm -hmm. Your perspective is not challenged Mm -mm. and your thoughts are not challenged. Mm -mm. So how do you like how do you feel about people who complain about living in America (gasps) or at least just the way that things are run? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to say. I have a lot of opinions Mm -hmm. about everything, but I think that Americans are definitely privileged beyond measure and they, you don't know it. You really don't know. You Mm -hmm. don't know what you don't know um, until you see it, until it's, it's being shown directly in front of your eyes, you're experiencing it. And I, because of that, encourage everyone to leave the country Mm -hmm. and not just on vacation, like leave the country and go live somewhere else that is different than what you are used to because you're worldview will expand a tenfold Mm. life is different everywhere and there are different opportunities for people of all backgrounds um depending on where they live and I think that there's it's hard it is it's a hard thing but there is this like I'm gonna keep returning to the sense of freedom because in the states there really is that like I mean there's there's of course (laughs) there are stipulations to that statement I think there are 
definitely demographics that don't feel as free mm. as others and we see that within our political infrastructure within everything mm-hmm. um and we really talked a lot on that going through 2020 with all the social movements that did occur around black lives matter and bringing all that up i think those were big learning experiences for people in terms of understanding what freedom and liberty really looks like and what it might look like for other people still living in the states but now contrast that to people living abroad like yeah. you think of these communities in east africa where when a girl gets her period at 11 she has to drop out of school because there's no clean water and she can't take care of herself and all of a sudden she doesn't get an education and there goes her freedom for Mm. a career for a life beyond her village and so I really encourage everyone to get out and open up their minds because it really empowers you if at anything it makes you realize how lucky you are Mm -hmm. and that you should take the things that you have in your life and really apply them in a way that will (sighs) benefit you but also the people around you yeah absolutely and I think it all comes back to empathy too and really having compassion for Mm -hmm. other people Mm -hmm. um (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, even last night, I mean, I told you that our power went out, your mm-hmm. power went out too. Yeah. <laughs> and I got home with all my groceries and, um, even just like being able to live on my own is a privilege. Yes. A, a woman living on her own mm-hmm. is a privilege. Yes. A woman driving a car oh on my her God. own is a yes. privilege. Yes. So I like pull into this, pull into my complex and the power is out and, um, I immediately am like triggered because in South Africa, there is a thing that's been going on for I think a couple of years now called load shedding. Mm-hmm. And basically the government or whoever, ESCOM, it's like they control the the power grid. Mm-hmm. They turn off the power grids throughout the country at certain times of the day. So when I was there last uh, last winter for about three months, two and a half months, the power would just go out for like four two to four hours a day and there was it was scheduled mm. but it was just like what it's like inconvenient. it's just inconvenient yeah. you know it's so inconvenient and so last night I kind of had a little flashback to that and I was <laughs> like oh my gosh I don't know when the power is going to come back on but the thing with South Africa is when the power goes off your electric fences go off your security mm. system goes off um, your protection, mm-hmm. it goes off. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the times, like that's when violence occurs mm-hmm. because, um, there's no power, there's no safety net. So mm-hmm. it, the des- like desperate times call for desperate measures and yeah. people will go yeah. rob, kill, yeah. um, do what they need to do to mm-hmm. get, to get what they need. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was just like, and you know, I had the privilege last night of going to a friend's house and <laughs> sleeping yeah. in a five bedroom house and taking my groceries with me and putting it in their fridge. And I was totally fine, but it was just <laughs> like that privilege of, wow, like this happens all around the world. If, if load shedding happened in America, <laughs> oh Mm-mm. my God, that like, would be an infringement it, on people's rights, just yeah. like masks and everything yep, else. <laughs> yep. And it would be like the whole, their whole world and universe is flipped upside down mm-hmm. and God, this privilege. And mm-hmm. I'm so, that's something that I love so much about you. And mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to connect with a lot of my, my friends who haven't traveled, ablo- traveled abroad because they're, I'm not calling them small minded whatsoever, but they just haven't seen mm-hmm. a lot of things that mm-hmm. could really open yeah. 
themselves to a new perspective. Of course. Um, and just challenge the way that they currently view the world and mm-hmm. view themselves and view their problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate saying I hate saying that um, like your problems aren't significant or there's something more serious going on right. in the world around you, but kind of it's kind of true it's kind of true sometimes you don't Um, need it yeah you don't need to brush people's thoughts and feelings under the rug like we can acknowledge them but then also put them into perspective because there's scale behind everything yes like you losing your iphone is not you know is not the end of the world or (laughs) whatever it may be that you missed out on yoga class it's so freaking (laughs) insignificant (laughs) oh yeah it's just getting yeah just getting relative oh god that was good I love that I love that and that's it's just so important it's so important to uh, acknowledge that and and bring up those conversations mm-hmm. I love too that we were able to go to the protest together last summer. oh my gosh I know yeah. that was a life-changing experience for yeah. me I really say that because it it was eye-opening in a different way I had never experienced something so emotional and powerful Mm. in the United States. And that was, that, that says a lot because Mm -hmm. we are a powerful nation and there's a lot of really great people here, but (sighs) yeah, it sometimes takes something big like BLM or some other movement to really come together and understand Mm -hmm. what unity means like in check your privilege around you and check your friends, check your family, you know, like literally everything, but also, Hey, we're doing this because of freedom. Mm. So it all comes back. Like they're all linked together. It's all intertwined. It really is. Mm -hmm. Speaking of unity, I want to get, so switching gears a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, your shuffle community Mm -hmm. and how we met ultimately Mm -hmm. is through the festival scene. (laughs) Um, pretty sure it was through Instagram or Twitter, probably Instagram. Yeah. Not Twitter. Cause yeah. I'm not even on yeah, Twitter. No, Instagram. <laughs> um, and, uh, then we met at Midlands. I think yes, for we the did. first time. Yes. Um, well actually we met at, uh, Texas motor speedway oh during something wonderful, very briefly, like outside the porta potty. She goes, Bridget, <laughs> is that you? I'm like, who's this? And then and she goes, goes I'm Bridget. Bridget. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, I want a picture with you. And I still remember, cause I remember the outfit that I was wearing everything. That was a crazy weekend, but I'm happy we connected because it was just like a very brief moment. And then, like you said, the next time was Middlelands and we had more of a a conversation like prior to actually getting into the festival and raging. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) That was so (laughs) pre-COVID. Yep. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you like music is what brought us together and 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 now you pursue I cannot speak tonight. I'm still like yoga Zen. Um, And now you pursue music kind of like on the fuller time with dance and shuffling. And you just got back from a COVID safe Mm -hmm. trip with a bunch of the shufflers. And I want to know about your story, your dance story. Yeah. Creative journey. Let me dive into it. Um, I am a self-taught dancer, especially in shuffling. Like I did take hip-hop contemporary ballet randomly when I was growing up Mm -hmm. nothing super serious but I knew I loved to move I've been athletic my whole life so there was always this like dynamic of movement in my life that really kept me flowing Mm -hmm. um but I kept changing whether it was different dance styles or different sports and different teams I never found what was my thing like what really spoke to me until I found shuffling and that's there was something there the fact that yes I 
it was a dance that I was, it is completely self-taught, or at least in the beginning it was. Um, it kind of, it allowed me to explore something that was different, that I hadn't seen a lot of people do, um, but that allowed me to connect to the music that I liked, which happened to be EDM, especially in those early days. I really liked anything that was upbeat. Um, I would <laughs> say like big room was mm. definitely fun for me. And I think a lot of people when they first enter EDM, it happens to be that kind of music. Martin Garrix. Yes. yes like so. all of that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. So I grew up actually Sweet listening to, <laughs> to Tiesto because mm. my parents were into like chill lounge music that was electronic. And that's what he started with mm-hmm. club music. And so I was exposed to him and people with his, that type of style at an early age then when I came into the festival scene and recognized their names again I was like oh my gosh wow it's coming full circle like Mm. I really felt like I belonged like I finally found my genre of music that I liked um after stepping into I guess this overarching umbrella of EDM I've definitely uh, found more, um, or I guess refine my style of music. I found my niche. I found what I liked and it definitely happens to be more house techno. I do like trance, different subgenres within those. Um, but I also, as I was falling in love with this music and really starting to go to a few of these festivals and shows, I was like, oh, I want to move. I want to dance. Mm-hmm. I can't just stand here. Like this music is speaking to me. I want to move. I see other people moving. And then I recalled this talent show I had watched oh, no. in like middle <laughs> school. And it was while I was living in Dubai and I saw this kid on stage. He was actually from Australia. So it's really funny because he was doing the Melbourne shuffle mm. and that was his talent. And he put on, it was either like Melbourne bounce or hard style, something really upbeat Um, But I remember seeing him floating across the stage and just taking up all this space, but not really using huge movements. It wasn't power based. It was this illusion, like very glidey. And I was infatuated. I was like, I need to know what this dance is. But it didn't come back into my life until I started looking into what styles of dance do you dance to this music? Um, At that time, Instagram had kind of a budding community of shufflers and I found myself liking their videos connecting with them following them and falling deeper and deeper into this hole of Mm -hmm. shuffling um and so from there I mean that was about six years ago um I have continued to refine my style I it's now a craft it's not just something that I do as a hobby because I know that I've I'm going to be spending my life refining this dance style mm-hmm. um, to make it my own because it is a flow art. And with any art, you you flow with it and you create and you change and you develop and you adapt. And, and that's the beauty of listening to different styles of music too. I get to adapt and change my style as I'm listening to different songs because I'm feeling different things. And that's, I really like to think that dance is this, it's like a language of your body. And so your actions or your words and you can string them together to make sentences and then paragraphs and then poems or whatever it is you want to write and Mm -hmm. I become infatuated with that self-expressive aspect of shuffling and I was hooked ever since Mm -hmm. um so yeah like you said I have turned it more into a full-time passion job type of a thing I um I started teaching I 
with my really close friend Tyler, we started the Shuffle Circle. So we started a business around shuffling. We wanted to travel to different cities. We wanted to pass on our knowledge. We wanted workshops. We wanted it to be engaging. We really wanted this community of shufflers to come together to spread the knowledge and the culture that was shuffling because it wasn't just dance there was culture behind it and there was history and a lot of it is embedded in the underground rave scene that Mm -hmm. not everybody is exposed to and that's something in itself that is very special and you you feel once you're part of of that community that you are part of something bigger and um we wanted to keep giving back to that community, keep growing it. And we see today, especially with 2020 and TikTok blowing up, shuffling, people are now exposed to it more than they ever have been. But there's still this like subset of almost like OG shufflers or people who are really ingrained in the community Mm -hmm. versus the people who are just like catching on because it's trending. There is definitely a cultural divide there. And yeah. so we're trying the hardest we can as people who've been involved in the community to keep that alive and growing and yeah. keep people involved and understand that this is not just a way to move your feet, but there is more to it. And it's sad, but we can't expose that right now because there's no events, there's no festivals, mm-hmm. there's no none of that. And so, uh, yeah, we're, we're really trying to keep this like fire alive, keep the passion burning, keep people really intrigued in what the culture of shuffling is and and attending shuffle circles and shuffle meetups and all that. But COVID's really, it's been hard. Yeah. <laughs> it really has. Yeah. Oh, man. And I, and you guys started doing some, like, live stream. Yes, At the beginning of quarantine. Yeah, <laughs> and they were, they were successful. We were one of the first groups to put together formal classes, choreo, and stream it virtually and have people sign up for our virtual workshops because – like I said, we, we had been used to traveling and we were used to connecting to the community. And so when COVID kicked in, that was actually around the time when I had decided to go full-time shuffle circle and Mm -hmm. I was going to put on group classes every week in Austin and it was going to be flipping amazing. And Mm -hmm. I was so fucking excited for life. And yeah, I had to adapt, which again, comes back to my upbringing. I understood that this is not the way it's going to go. What else can we do? Yeah. Um, and so we quickly turned on those virtual classes and it was a really big success. We started in April very early on and through up until June, we were going hard. We would have two classes a week sometimes and it was, we would have a master course and we would have choreo classes and one-on-ones as well. So mm. it was a business that, <sighs> didn't necessarily it wasn't negatively impacted by covid when you look at you know the volume of students we were able to bring through virtually but at the same time it's not the same experience that I was looking for I really like that in person I love connecting with people and you can do it virtually but there's something so special about being right there with somebody Mm. able to tell them hey you're doing this really well or move your ankle a little bit to the right and it'll look much stronger there's it's just a different connection that you get. Yeah. So that kind of sucks, <laughs> but it did enable us to connect with a lot of people all over the world. Yeah. So I'm thankful for that. And we still 
put out content, but we definitely took a little bit of a break, both of us, because we had gone so hard in the beginning. And then right around July, June, July, it seemed like everybody and their mom had Zoom classes. And we're like, okay, okay, okay. Mm. We can take a little break now. Yeah. It seems like the community can carry on. (laughs) But there's still this desire to connect. So coming back to this um, trip that I just took, this COVID-friendly trip in LA, that was so incredible. There were, I don't know, 20, 30 of us. And we had, of course, all been tested for COVID multiple times, had to have negative results before we arrived. Um, So when we finally did arrive, it felt like any or everyone who was there was there for a purpose and a reason. Mm. And we were all there to soak up each other's energy and share that space together. And that, whoo, Oh my gosh, I left LA with my cup overflowing because we had not had that type of gathering of dancers and passion all under one roof since festivals and Mm -hmm. festival season when you're staying in Airbnbs filled with dancers from all across the nation. Like you get that sense of community again. Um, So I really miss that, but I know that we're still going to continue to put on events like this and we're going to continue to connect as a community, whether it's virtually or at small, intimate meetups. It'll still happen through COVID. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely think that as COVID kind of changed, the landscape of COVID changes and we can start socializing again, that shuffling and my job or at least whatever amount of energy and time I put into shuffling can grow a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, I remember when we went hiking, I think it was in May, maybe, yeah, around May, and you're, you were complaining because your body was so sore, and you were like, dude, I've been teaching so much on, on uh, Zoom, my, my knees and my ankles and my everything. All I could hear was five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> it was, yeah, it, it turned into a quick nightmare, because um, I was <laughs> really trying to, not only, okay, so... Shuffling, like I said, is a flow art and it's very freestyle based. Mm -hmm. So when I was doing all these classes, I was having to not only dance, but also learn how to put together choreo and then remember the choreo. So I was learning to like apply myself in new ways that were not normal and inherent to me because I'm not a choreographer. So I had to turn into one Mm. (laughs) over, over COVID and I had to, or at least me myself I wanted to hold myself to a specific standard so I wanted quality classes I Mm. wanted to challenge people which meant I had to challenge myself and my body was slowly deteriorating (laughs) and my mental health was just going down the drain (laughs) it was just a lot but but I have to say that and and also say it with a grain of salt because I did love every single class that I have any opportunity I have to connect with people and pass on my passion, oh, I will take it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. As the world slowed down, you were like, nope, kicking it into high gear. Yeah. I'm teaching twice a week. Mm. But, but you no, got to do what you got to do. And I think that like without, without the shuffle circle, without shuffling, I really would have gone mental throughout COVID yeah. and really just in life in general, because it is a meditative release. I know that movement is medicine and mm-hmm. music is medicine and tying them together is like the most epic therapy you can do for yourself. Yep. So I will continue <laughs> until yeah. I cannot move no more. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so 2020, I 2020 was a big year for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know a little yes. bit about uh, how should I ask this? <laughs> uh, you stepped out of a relationship and mm-hmm. really you moved into a house with dancers mm-hmm. or with creators, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know a little bit about that and um, some some things that you learned along the way. Yeah. with that yeah absolutely so um I guess this is a nice segue from what we were talking about last because it really was during that time when I was putting on a whole bunch of virtual classes um that I was also going through a breakup or a, a breakup that had been coming for a while and so it I th- let me backtrack it it was January 2020 when I had first kind of decided that I needed to step out of what I had been living in for the past three years. And that was my relationship. That was my mindset. It was everything. I just wasn't in a good place. And I had known for a while and I knew what I needed to do next. Um, But of course, life is hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you don't like hurting people. At least I don't. And so I held on to a role that I didn't need to, it was not serving me for far longer than I should have. Um, but I had been honest and upfront in January. COVID then started kicking in February, March, and I ended up getting stuck in a living situation because of COVID. I couldn't get out of my lease. It was really hard to find people to take over a lease. Um, and so I was kind of forced to sit with myself and sit in the relationship that I had been in for what seemed like an indefinite amount of time (laughs) moving forward and that in itself is probably one of the biggest challenges I've had in my life um because you're like wanting to change and you literally cannot you you really cannot (laughs) and that's like another thing it goes back to that sense of freedom like you feel trapped in a place that you don't want to be in and Mm. it's not that I don't have running water and that I don't have toilet paper and Like the whole world is crumbling, but my world inside was crumbling. I did not feel like myself. I did not feel like I was living with, yeah, I just wasn't living in my truest, happiest life. And I knew that I needed to step out of my relationship and outside of that living situation in order to step into this next chapter in my life and I didn't know exactly what that was going to be I just knew it was going to be different and it wasn't until July so almost a half a year after kind of initiating this breakup or this closing this chapter that I finally physically could separate myself and that was a huge step there is definitely a lot of power in physically distancing yourself from a a situation or a problem or a person or a mindset in order for you to heal completely. Mm. Um, And so when I finally did step out of that and and moved into a beautiful house with two other wonderful, creative, amazing, wholesome women, I felt like I was stepping into the life that I had been wanting and the person that I really, truly was. I finally felt happy again in my life. I felt like a weight had been lifted off my chest and I started to fall in love with myself again because I had really not liked who I was for a long time. And that 
is hard to say because I I don't know I I I do suffer from depression and anxiety but I definitely hit a point where I was like just unhappy in my skin Mm. I didn't want to be who I was and I couldn't get out and um I'm a person who enjoys feeling emotions I love the up and down but I don't like to constantly be in a state of depression Mm. and um yeah I know that they're the only way for me to get out of those places is to change the things around me and to change the way that I'm thinking about things and a lot in my life started to shift after I had left my living situation after I left my relationship I started to walk through life with more clarity um did I know exactly what my next goal was going to be? No. <laughs> I just knew I was chasing a feeling mm. and I was getting that feeling in my everyday life. So fuck it. I might as well keep living and doing this because it feels good and it feels right. And and now I am January, another half a year later, past that point, And life has changed completely again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, <man. laughs> so I'm like, yeah. <laughs> still trying to I'm, I'm holding on to this ride <laughs> I yes. feel like I'm on a roller coaster and we're going so fucking fast but <laughs> I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the shit out of this experience like I said the highs and the lows yeah it's so funny because literally like in my one of my questions is how are you in all caps so happy <laughs> exclamation mark question mark question mark because you mm. oh like you are sunshine you are sunshine and a human being and i love you so oh. much but um yeah you know you're authentic and you're real mm-hmm. and you're vulnerable and i appreciate you sharing that with me mm. because it's you can't ex- you can't experience and really appreciate the highs until you can hit the Mm -hmm. bottom bro like hit the bottom and every person that listens to this can relate yeah and if you can't relate i want to know what your secret is right (laughs) because what are you doing um (laughs) to not have floating floating you're floating your life (laughs) but no like seriously i i in those okay so Midway through 2020, you're out of that lease, you're out of the relationship, Mm -hmm. you're in a house with new people. Mm -hmm. What did you do? What were some like, quote unquote, actionable things that you did to like get you moving again, physically and like mentally, emotionally? Yeah. So when, um, when I was in a house, it was not, I had been living in an apartment complex before. So immediately I felt like I already had more space and more freedom to be. I had a yard, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a garage. And in that garage, I set up mirrors. I set up a little workspace for me to do crafts and really step back into the creative self that I had lost. Um, I was doing a lot of shuffling, but it turned very technical once I turned into this teacher instructor full time five, six, seven, eight going through my head. Like (laughs) it was so technical and I lost the ability to let go and just explore creative things and express myself in new ways. It felt like I was going down these same paths and I, I need a change. And so stepping into new space allowed me to do that again. Um, I, 
I spent a lot of time going to the park as well. I started connecting with other people in different communities outside of just shuffling. I started to do a lot more yoga and I I I started to read again. <laughs> yeah. I invested in a lot of books. Like I was it sounds so simple and especially when I say it out loud because I haven't just listed the things before, but um I really just started tapping back into the things that brought me joy mm. prior to the relationship that I had had because for three years I missed out on her like where was she 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 was non-existent yeah I was creative and I was doing things and I actually started creative businesses throughout that relationship but there was still a part of me an aspect of me that towards the end of that started to die and mm. dwindle away and I couldn't find her and I couldn't tap back into her so my main goal was to reach back into myself connect with myself again find out who that person is today how I can serve her how I can love on her because I hadn't been loving on her mm. <laughs> um, and then I I mean being around my roommates just in general helped being around that feminine energy that I had mentioned earlier was a huge change because I hadn't had that and I actually grew up with a sister and a mom and no brothers my dad wasn't always around so I was used to having that female energy around me um, this energy is much different than what I grew up with though this is <laughs> so wholesome and loving and carefree and oh it's the sisterhood that I really didn't have growing up and I I, I really do attribute a lot of my happiness and my everyday happiness to being in a surrounding in a setting that allows that type of energy exchange to happen yeah um because I do believe that there are energy blockers and drainers out there and yeah, you got to recognize them mm -hmm. and you got to change your setting if they're present. So that's yeah. really what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you mentioned, oh, it sounds like corny or mm -hmm. whatever, listing mm -hmm. them out. But, but it's so true. I think we get so wrapped up in the, the nuances of day-to-day -day life and we're mm -hmm. not really present, you mm -hmm. know, and, and the activities that you listed are all things that bring you to the present moment. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, yoga keeps you grounded and, mm -hmm connecting with like-minded individuals mm -hmm. and people that inspire mm -hmm. you and reading. Mm -hmm. What were some of your favorite books? So I was reading a few, like not self-help, but like a couple books to try to better understand myself. One of them being an, a book about empaths. So I was trying to understand uh, how I operate in this world because mm. I hadn't ever really been taught about what it meant to be an empath, yet I was feeling all these things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was oh, trying to understand, yeah. like, why the hell am I so emotional? Uh, uh, but I'm strong in my emotions, so, like, uh, I want to understand where this is coming from. Um, and so I read, I read a book about that. I had a girlfriend because um, I was going through a lot of sexual uncertainty trying to understand where I fell on the sexual spectrum because I hadn't really ever questioned that in my life um, seriously up until the past maybe three years <laughs> and <laughs> and so <laughs> it's just like as I started to understand myself more um as I've aged more and matured a little bit in my sexuality, I, I realize that I'm not just a heterosexual. I, I 
am attracted to women as well. So I do fall on a bisexual spectrum somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out what that is. But I, I had a friend who she's uh, she's a lesbian and she was trying to help me understand me better. Yeah. <laughs> and so she had sent me a book and I forget, I think it's, like called Untamed something, Untamed something. I don't untamed? even know. Untamed? Yeah, Untamed. Period? Yeah, By Glennon Doyle? Yes, that book. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> so she sent me that. I had been reading that. I had read this book about, or written by a professor who wrote kind of, it was his last lectures, so his life lessons, all wrapped up in one little book. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot about life. It yeah. was about trying to understand and operate in the world better. Mm-hmm. Um and it feeds back into my journey too. Like I was really trying to understand things and have clearer vision and just move forward with my head held a little higher because I understand how and where I fit in the world better. Yeah. <laughs> Aww, I love that. Mm-hmm. The last lecture. Is that yes. the book? Yes. I'm looking at it's on the counter. <laughs> I'm such a book nerd. I'm like, I'm like such a book nerd. But these are all like really great books. They are. I just finished the un- um, Untamed too. Okay. And that, I didn't even know that uh, Glennon Doyle is lesbian. Yeah. I, I didn't know. I didn't know what the book was about. Someone no. recommended it. So I went and bought it and I read yeah. it. And wow. Talk about like breaking the mold that you think you're supposed to have in yes. life. Like yes. married to a man, having three kids. Yes. And then realizing, holy shit, I don't like this guy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. Well, I'm not like she loved him, but right. like, I don't want to have sex with him anymore. Right. I don't like right. I physically don't want to touch him. Like, yes. Not attracted to him. Mm-hmm. And just like finding your truth and realizing like you don't have to lose your family if you just don't want to be with your husband. Yeah. Like you want another partner or yeah. whatever. So I love that. I love that you found your freedom mm-hmm. in, uh, in in breaking out of your past relationship mm-hmm. in more ways than one, not just yeah. sexually, but all of the ways. <laughs> so many ways. So many ways. Growth is beautiful. Yes, yes. Um, ooh, okay. What is one piece of advice that you have for anyone Maybe this could be pertaining to dance or relationships or whatever you can think of. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> advice. Because I go to you about a lot of things. You do. We like kind of bounce off of each other yes. with what we're going through. And it Absolutely. always seems to be somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you've, you've opened up my eyes to a lot of, a lot of mm-hmm. things. And one of them being like, when we talk about family, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, family is just blood mm-hmm. and you don't have to be friends with the people in your family mm-hmm. <laughs> and your family not might all. not always understand you. Um, so yeah, you've taught me a lot in that aspect, but um, yeah, what's one piece of advice if you can think? Yeah, I, I think this is a hard question for me to answer because I don't necessarily have just like one big piece of advice. Um but I think maybe something linking back to reflection, um, reflecting on yourself in order to identify the things you like about mm-hmm. yourself and your life and then identify the things that you're not happy with and then ask yourself, well, how can I change those things that I'm not happy with? And really putting action behind those, like you had said, mm-hmm. um, what, you know, if you want to change or you want to change your mindset, that's not going to happen 
with wishful thinking. Mm. You need to put in a little bit of work. Yeah. And so if that means hitting rock bottom first, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Take your journey. Understand yourself and what that looks like because the dark places in life will really make you appreciate the light a lot more. But know that it's you at the end of the day that's going to push you and pull you towards that light. Mm. No one can do it but you. Exactly. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a level of self-accountability that you have to have. Um, we often, I don't know if it's our generation or society, but a lot of people live in a victim mentality and they think that life is just shitting on them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, I said this in my episode with Sierra, but life doesn't happen to you. Life happens for you. Mm -hmm. And until you switch your thinking and you switch that perspective, you will forever be a victim. Mm -hmm. You will ever think that you will forever think that life is out to get you Mm -hmm. and that everything is just conspiring against you. And that's just not true. Mm -mm. It's true. If you deem it to be true and you believe it to be true, but it's not true. If you say, "Ah, Mm -mm. that's not going to be my truth. Mm -mm. Um, Mm -mm. yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Okay. Um, I, okay. So I want to talk a little bit about, social media and um, we kind of touched on mental health a little bit Mm -hmm. and really like listening to yourself, but you are quote unquote an influencer. Mm. Um, (laughs) You do have a social following thanks to dance and, and all of the things, but how do you balance social media and real life and the pressures that you might feel because we are in a digital age? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good question. Again, it ties into a lot of my 2020 story. I feel like this, whole entire podcast is about B's 2020 experience, <laughs> but it really links back. Surviving the twenties, surviving 2020. Yes, that's what we're it's here hard. For. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I have learned how to manage my social media and the engagement, um, or the time and effort that I want to put into it as, <laughs> as time has gone on. There Mm. are points where I can recognize that I spend too much time, whether it be on a social media app or creating content or just thinking about content, having that thought space consumed Mm -hmm. by social media. There are times where that happens and um, it's heightened. But as I go through big personal changes that are a little bit more personal and not necessarily highlighted on my social media, cause that's not what my platform is about. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel that I take a step back and step away from social media because it's not a time for me to be social. And I have learned that that's okay. Yeah. That was a big learning experience. Cause I did when I first started my Instagram page, that was, it was when I was in high school, so I've had it for about a decade now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's changed over the years, and it's changed from being a just a regular lifestyle, whatever account to fitness-related, to EDM, to shuffling. Um, so it's really changed and developed as I've developed, but my level enga- of engagement has changed as well. Um, through 2020, I learned to take a huge step back in order to focus on myself more. And I don't need to go over my story again because y'all got a whole earful of that. <laughs> uh, but it just wasn't a time when I felt inspired to connect with people to just to create to create. When I did put content out, it was it was shuffle related. But a lot of the captions, if you read through it, are a lot 
more heartfelt. They're mm. heavy. They're introspective. Deep, very too. introspective. Yeah. And that's a lot of my content recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like to share fun tutorials and tips and tricks and engage in a more lighthearted way. But at the end of the day, I do use my platform to express and a lot of the expressions I have happen to be from the state of vulnerability, which I find super empowering. Mm. <laughs> and the more I open up and share, the more I step into myself and the more people see me for who I am and I feel more seen and more loved than ever before. So there's definitely a balance of like what I want to share and how I want to share it. But um, I've learned to not let it dictate my life. If I want to take a step back, if I want to take a week off, a month off from posting things, I will. Um, but then again, coming back to community, that is where a lot of my friends are that mm. I'm not connected with them all right now in person, especially with COVID. I'm not traveling to see so many of them. So to be able to have them available at my fingertips, to be able to connect and create and share and engage um, is a wonderful, beautiful tool. And I will always take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, but it is finding that right balance of, okay. When is it a good time in my life to be opening up and sharing? And am I doing that with purpose versus when do I need to take a step back to serve my own life with purpose? Yeah. Yeah, that's so, (laughs) ah, I love that. Um, Yeah, social media is a tool at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. And Mm -hmm. we we wouldn't even be here if it were We would not. That's what I'm saying. Like, I curse (laughs) social media, but then I'm like, hold on. I've built businesses and friendships and communities and a life around social media. I literally would not be where I am today without shuffling. Like I would not have Mm. the friends that I have. I wouldn't have the job that I have. I wouldn't be anywhere without social media. Um, and then throw in shuffling and EDM and all that in there because it all is tied, especially when it comes back to community because that's where my community lives. But Instagram, like you said, it's a tool to facilitate community engagement. So yeah, I curse it and I love it. <laughs> I, know, I know, me too, me too. It's like, uh, man, uh, we'll see. I'm curious to know what the future of social media will look like. Yeah. But yeah, as I go into a thought bubble there. I know, I'm, I'm like, like thinking uh, Black Mirror, like episode one or two. Uh, so. uh, <laughs> it's just crazy, yeah. like even TikTok, how much is just blown Oh up. my goodness, like, yeah. It's quick consumption, Ooh. folks. Yep. And it's kind of interesting, too, the, the uh, what is it called? Instant gratification mm. and how that's affecting real life and mm-hmm. relationships. Yeah. And um, it, it's kind of scary. I feel like I'm, I'm grateful that I'm kind of on the edge of that um, disconnect, that generational mm-hmm. disconnect. Because I feel yes. like everyone younger than me Gen Z and younger, I'm like, oh, lordy, lordy. Mm. Like, if I was in high school right now with TikTok and with all of that, I mean, when I was in high school, Snapchat came out, I think, when I was a senior. Yes. And that was kind of like, whoa, now you're really connected to your phone and you're really connected to the image that you portray online. Um, and it, it just, that was the start of distancing from your reality, at least mm-hmm. for me and, and mm-hmm. my generation. I, I, 
I'm a little too young for MySpace. I never had MySpace. <laughs> That's funny. I definitely had MySpace, but it was at like the tail end of it. Yeah, and I when was Facebook too young. Was coming. Yeah, so I never got the full like full blown experience, so to say. I mean, I guess I did, but Facebook did come out pretty quickly, and I was one of the first to be on there in that sense, like our generation. Yeah. Um, because we definitely pioneered that before our parents did. But yeah. it's funny how we quickly dropped off. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. other things came along, like you said, Snapchat came along I, and Instagram was and around Twitter about a decade ago and yeah and then and Twitter as well it oh there's so many platforms I'm not even on all of them because I can't keep I up. can't keep up there's either no freaking way but I know for a fact that today high schools middle schools it's all ruled by your social presence so if it's you scary yeah if you have a following on TikTok or Instagram you're all of a sudden popular at school but that's not how it was in the past mm. at all. I mean, there were different social measures that were totally stupid and unfair. Mm. <laughs> like if you had Miss Me jeans. Yeah, like exactly. Ugly. Like some <laughs> shitty, stupid fashion trend. If you could follow it, you're cool. Or if you were a jock, you're cool. Like whatever the fuck those yeah. standards were, they're all lame. They're yeah. so dumb. Ugh, this is not how you measure people, but. <laughs> it's the new measure. It this is, is the now new measure. the new measure. Mm-hmm. And it's. uh, Yeah. Oh, man. I want to find, like, a psychologist or someone to interview on here. I'm like, tell me more about this. Yes! <laughs> that would be such an interesting uh, podcast. I know, wouldn't it? Because I'm like, oh, God. I I find it just so interesting. And I think about my nieces and my nephew. And, and if I ever want to have kids, I'm like, do I want to raise you in a society where you come out of the womb and there's an iPhone in your face? No. Like, <laughs> there's an iPhone in your face taking a picture? No. Yeah, I don't know. No. I don't know about that. It's scary. Or, like, you come out of the womb and, like, you can already have, like, a face ID. Stop. <laughs> yeah. And you can, like, unlock my, like, mom's iPhone. No. I don't know about all that. <laughs> I don't know Uh-oh. about all of that. No. It's um, a scary world. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. Well, bringing it back to um, be here now, um, I want to ask you about purpose. And, I mean, I know what you're passionate about. And, and I say, like, passions... I can tell when someone is passionate about something with the way that they talk about it and the way that just, you know, they, they express. Mm-hmm. Um, but the word purpose, what does that word mean for you? And do you think mm. you have found purpose? If so, mm. what is that purpose? Yeah. Um, so I guess my purpose in life, I haven't had one set goal. Like, um, like a very hard, I don't know. Let me backtrack. I guess I have a goal in mind. I've always wanted to help people. <laughs> How vague is that? You know it's what I not mean? vague. It's funny, though, because I've done about <laughs> six interviews now, and five of the six have said help people. Yeah. But I love that. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying is, like, it's such a generic response, but there's so much embedded into mm. that response because mm-hmm. it's not a one-picture-fits-all. For me, that changes. So... I find that I've stepped into my purpose as I was also exploring my passion and shuffling because I've been able to help other people tap into themselves, help them understand themselves better through movement and through expression. I think a lot of us have always wanted to move a certain way or, or dance and mm-hmm. maybe have held ourselves back. Uh, because we don't feel confident, because we don't have the skill set, we don't have the tools available to us. And so 
I found purpose in helping people unlock themselves through dance, but that's not my end all goal. I know that my purpose yet changes as I move through life because I do want to continue to help people, but that's not just in the form of self-expression and dance or shuffling. Um, I So I studied environmental science. Um, I got my bachelor's in that. Mm-hmm. I love sustainability and the concept of a sustainable world, smart cities, infrastructure that will last. Um, and so... I want to and hope to continue to help people and help change the world in a better way by going further into my career path uh, in venture capital, which is something I don't talk about a lot. <laughs> um, I know. I didn't even have you give like your background. Yeah. But that's okay. <laughs> but that's no, you're, you're, you're getting it now. Um, I, so I work with startups on the side, outside of social media, outside of shuffling. I do marketing. I run a program that helps people understand what it looks like to identify early stage startups. Um, and what you should be looking for if you're hoping to invest in them. So these are the type of startups that turn into the next Facebook, the Mm. next Uber. Um, It's really exciting. I'm at the forefront of a lot, but um, within that, I also come across companies and startups that want to change the world in a better place in terms of um, sustainability solutions or different ESG solutions that will help propel humanity in a better way Mm -hmm. Um, and so I I would love to continue with my purpose to help people through impact investing Um, I want to I want to go back to school and get my MBA and I want to bridge the gap in my skills in order to step into that role more completely Um, because although I have passion and interest, I know that there are certain skills that I need, like accounting and financing and super dry, boring things, Mm. but I just need to get through that in order to excel in my career, move up, um, and have the type of impact that I want, because I know that I want to have a large scale impact. And I feel that through investing in these social initiatives in companies that are doing good things in markets that are emerging in India, Africa, Asia, all those places, I am going to fulfill my higher purpose um, beyond just self-expression, but in terms of creating better life for people. Yeah, that's so good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally forgot to be like, so... Where'd you come from? What did you study in <laughs> I school? covered it. I covered it. I covered yeah, it. No, you did, you did, you did, you did. I love that. Um, and it's true. Bridget is a boss ass business woman. Like she is smart. She is, there is a, a strong head on her shoulders. Let me tell ya. Um, and more more of a reason to to that I'm honored to have you in my circle and to know you and to be known by you. Mm-hmm. Love you so much. I love you. Um, so I wanted to ask you, like, what are five, like, what do you, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it plays into kind of what I just last spoke on. I'm planning to go back to school. Um, <laughs> I say this as I've just like decided this a few days ago, um, <laughs> but it's on my mind. It's been on my mind for a while. And I think now is the time to continue to invest in myself. I encourage everyone to continue to use this downtime in the 
world, so to speak, to invest in yourself. Mm. Um, so for me, that means education um, so that I can step further into the role that I want to continue on. And then I also have plans on investing in property. I want to set down roots. So this world traveler has finally decided, like, roots, baby. <sighs> roots. They need to be set and they need to grow deeper. I can't just have really long drawn out horizontally spread roots some mm-hmm. of them need to go vertical they need like to a go bonsai down. yes you want to be more like a redwood yes down straight down <laughs> <laughs> but like a mixture between them <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm really hoping that i'll within the next five years have a house have completed my master's i want to get my mba um, hopefully stepping into a full-time position with some sort of firm um, and then, I mean, I'll still be dancing on the side. I'll mm-hmm. still be, hopefully still have the shuffle circle running, whether that is group classes when COVID is over or just continuing with personal lessons. Either way, it would make me happy. Cause again, I'm fulfilling that other purpose I have in life. Um, I've also met an amazing man. <laughs> so I love it. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But I think we have some grand plans in the near future. We do want to build a life together. But um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I love love stories. I'm like oh over here gosh. with like heart eyes and just like, oh my God, tell me I'm a sucker for a good love story. And I love I love that love story. Oh, oh my gosh. We'll have to come back on and talk about that in a few years. Yes. I'm going to bookmark that. I'm yep. going to hold you to it. Oh, man. Oh, I love you so much. Girlfriend, thank you. Um, okay. My last question that I have before we wrap things up is what are three things you're grateful for? Wait, three things I'm grateful for my health, my so physical health, mm-hmm. mental health, all of that. Um, let me see a support system. That's huge for me. And that comes in the forms of friends and family. Mm-hmm. A lot of that has to do with friends for me in my case, just because of the way I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, but my support system is huge. I love them to death. Uh, the last thing that I am grateful for, oh man, I mean, I'm grateful for so many things, but um, <laughs> opportunities. Um, I'm grateful for them. I'm, I'm grateful for the ability to recognize opportunities and take them because I don't think a lot of people recognize opportunities. Mm. Um, and a lot of your life, or I guess I feel like you miss out on a lot of your life when you're not able to identify those opportunities that might show up in unexpected ways. Um, so I'm grateful for kind of my intuition or yeah. whatever is guiding me on the yeah, inside. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Recognizing that. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that last one. That was mm-hmm. good. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for taking time to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and allowing me to create a space for you to share your story. Yes. Um, is thank there anything you. else you'd like to say? No, I add? just want to say thank you. Of this course. is so wonderful. I of know course. this is not about us interviewing you, but I I do want to just thank you for helping people talk about themselves and allowing people to be vulnerable as they do so and having you 
welcome our stories with open arms is really wonderful. Oh, of course. So thank you. <laughs> this uh, this is a little passion of mine. I have come to find. I Ooh. love it. So, <laughs> yes, thank you for being here. But um, yeah, I will plug your socials at the beginning yes, of like the intro of this episode, so people can find you and connect with you because Bridget loves to connect <laughs> and grow. <laughs> Um, as we all should. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you next Tuesday. (laughs) 